Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now it's time for how to when we address the sorts of decisions we don't take every day. Today it's how to erase your digital history. Dara O'Brien is a managing director of the data consultancy company Castlebridge. Dara, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, interesting your your stink your link there with the the Thomas Edison fact and the fact and the tattoo pen. Digital profiles and online history, it's a bit like our our online digital tattoo and some of us regret having it and we want to get rid of it. Yes. Now, well, (laughs) run us through the reasons why perhaps you should get rid of your digital tattoo, but also then after that, maybe why you shouldn't. Okay, well, a couple of reasons why you might want to reduce your online profile. Sometimes you might have said things that you are embarrassed about you want to control your your image uh you might have just like many of us did things when we were in university that we're all uh, we're all glad certainly i'm glad there weren't any digital cameras around when i was in university some of the things that i i may or may not have allegedly gotten up to uh but as we have get older we want to present a different version of ourselves to the world sometimes those things we might want them to be publicly publicly accessible or in some cases we may be subject to online harassment or online abuse and therefore we want to reduce our profile and pull back in our our, our circle uh, online mm. in terms of who can interact with us and what people can find out about us yeah and but is there also an argument within that about just how much the likes of google know about you and if if you realize how much they know about you you'd be horrified just a kind of on principle almost Absolutely. Uh, there's what they know about you because you've told them, but then yes. there's what they know about you because they're watching what you do and how you interact with things. And every every link you click, every interaction you have, that builds uh, a little jigsaw of you uh, that these organ- companies have that forms part of their advertising business. At the end of the day, Google is a ser- is an advertising business with a search engine and an email ca- email platform. Facebook is an advertising business with a social media platform, and Twitter. I'm not quite sure what Twitter is these days, but <laughs> it was a- an advertising business with a social network component to it. Mm, yes. So so, uh, but if you go around and you start, say for instance, de- you know, if you delete your Twitter profile, or or you know, relatively, if you take relatively simple steps like that. Could that be counterproductive to, to any extent? Potentially. If you do a deletion of your profile and you say, I want to scorched earth, delete everything, it's all gone away, and I'm never logging into that platform again, that means that someone else can come along and take your username. And if people think that's you doing other things in future, um, you might get blamed for the things that other people are saying uh, because they have the same username that you had and they appear to be you, uh, unless people dig in and click. And we all know how people take the time to dig in and look at profiles and understand who they're interacting with online. We're, we're very deliberative and thoughtful in, in our interactions online all the time, mm. obviously. Uh, so that's why it's something to be concerned about. Certainly, I have a, a Facebook profile that I set up many, many, many years ago. I'm, I'm not active on Facebook anymore. The, my profile is locked. I have Twitter profiles for work and business uh, and for personal profiles. Uh, they're there, but they're they're inactive. I'm just not using them anymore i log in so that the account isn't deactivated but my history is there but no one else can use my name no one else can use my identity on those platforms Uh, and that's one of the one of the simplest things you can do is simply stop using it and and switch your profile to be locked so people can't interact with you or if you want information to be still publicly available but you just don't want to interact well you just choose not to log in and and, and don't interact but that means that your user profile uh, remains 
available to you and not available to other people. As long as you remember to log in every so often uh, so that the platform doesn't go, oh, they've gone away. Mm. We can reuse and recycle their username if someone asks for it. Right. And there's no... um uh, there's no in in buried in the terms of conditions anywhere there that if you don't use your user profile you know over a period of 10 years or something that they can take it back off you well there is they they if you if the account is considered to be dormant or in, or inactive uh some of the, the twitter will uh, flag that as being an account that can be reused uh, if someone asks for that user user, user handle uh, it it, be, it becomes a lot harder to hold on to it if you can if you haven't shown any link to it in the past uh, so that's the key thing locking your profile and occasionally logging into it uh, to keep it active but locking it so it can't be seen that that just means that tells the world that you're done with this thing and just like there's bars and clubs we all used to go to in our youth that we don't venture into anymore because we're older and more mature and more thoughtful it's the same sort of thing. We're just, not, we're just not hanging out with that crowd anymore when we lock our profile. Now, politicians and, dare I say, Sean, celebrities like yourself, locking your profile is probably something you have to think about carefully because people might read into that, uh, that you're suddenly running away from your audience. Uh, and they <laughs> Or might, I've done, they said something dreadful. <laughs> you've said something horrible that you regret. In which case, uh, for you, it might be better if you say something dreadful, fess up quickly and early and say, I said something dreadful, as Dave Fanning did. I must say, Dave Fanning's response uh, to the recent comments he made in an interview, he came up and he, he owned it early. And that's that's the best thing that someone in the public eye uh, Well, yes, no, actually, that was a, an interesting case in point. This is slightly off the topic, but the replies to it were, uh, were less than forgiving towards him. Plus also people going, it took you 100 hours to reply. Like somebody sat down and actually counted it out. Uh, so, uh, well, we are, we pe- online commenters are thoughtful and they do do their research. <laughs> yes, they certainly do. Uh, right. So, so if, if though you want to get rid of it, like, okay, first off, there's, there's this thing, the right to be forgotten. What does that actually yeah. mean? Okay. The right to be forgotten is a right we have as individuals under the GDPR, the general data protection regulation. And that's a, a limited right that we have to write to a company and say, I would like you to delete my data for specific purposes for specific reasons so if if if, if the data is no longer needed for the purpose it was obtained for uh, if you're objecting to the data being processed and there is no overriding legitimate interest legitimate ground that the organization would have to keep processing your data or if it was processed on the basis of consent and you're withdrawing your consent it's basically saying uh, i want to wipe the slate clean here but it's under very certain conditions and organizations uh, who received one of those requests are entitled to first of all verify that you are the person who's the, who 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 it is who is the owner of that data who that data relates to. So you you, you don't want a situation where I could write to Twitter and say I'm Sean Moncrief I want you to delete all my data and then it's all gone away. You'd be very sad about that. Um, but within that, the the right to be forgotten is also a right that organisations have to go through a process on a case-by-case basis and say, well, this is why we need to keep this data, this is why we need to keep that data, and we'll delete all the other data. For example, I worked with a a retailer a number of years ago, uh, they were one of my clients, and they had a loyalty card, and people were writing in, sending in a a right of erasure request. We would always write back and say, do you want to lose all your loyalty card points as well? They're actually worth money. And strangely, people say, oh, no, we don't want that deleted. We just want to opt out of direct marketing, which is a different right. Mm. And then we'd opt them out of the direct marketing. So it's it's a way of taking back some control. And one of the key challenges is, particularly with Facebook and Twitter and the online platforms, is the processes they put in place 
to exercise that right are often a little bit cumbersome and burdensome. Uh, and I know there is a complaint in against Facebook at the moment for their uh, process for exercising right of erasure requests uh, with the Data Protection Commission. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that progresses. Because a lot of these platforms require you to go through a particular form. Uh, they require you to have an active account with them. Um, and you have to go through a process to verify your identity through their process. Um, but in reality, you can just send an email to their data protection officer and say, I would like to delete my data because it's no longer necessary. I'm, I'm terminating my use of your account and I want you to delete all the data. Or I've opted out of marketing and I've opted out of being included in marketing audiences on Twitter, for example, and therefore I'd like you to delete all that data. One of the knock-on implications of that is, is that any third party they've shared that data with, mm. they have to tell them that you want that data erased as well. And a lot of organizations don't always realize this, and it's one of the key things with Twitter. If you go onto Twitter now and opt out of their marketing audiences, you can if you log into your Twitter profile, you can see what audiences you've been included in and who they've sliced and diced you to. Uh, you can opt out of those, and you can then write to Twitter and say, I'd like you to delete my data, and then they have to uh, delete my data relating to that audience, and then they have to tell the, 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 the company they shared that data with that you are no longer uh, being included in that audience. And that is something you can do because you've objected under your right to object under Article 21 of GDPR. So different rights, different interplay, but it's a right you have. Yeah. And it's just a matter of sitting down and writing an email and hoping for the best. Uh, and Oh, yeah, well... Uh- it sounds, though, like as if private companies have a certain amount of, or a lot of power in this regard. If, say, 10 years ago, Dara, I did a, you know, I did a stretch for three years in prison for embezzlement. Mm. It's 10 years later, I regret it, but, you know, I want to become treasurer of my golf club. Now, obviously, they might have difficulty with this if they keep finding all these stories about me doing porridge 10 years ago. Can I request Facebook and, and, and whoever get rid of any references to that? And this is where we come into the question of what's in the public interest or not. Mm. And there was a key case, leading case on this is a case from Spain uh, called, involving a man called uh, Mr. Castella, who a number of years ago uh, was involved in some property dealings where he had a bit of a tax problem. Uh, and this was published in his local newspaper. And the local newspaper was indexed. And every time you search for his name on Google, this is a thing that popped up about him. And as a result of that, uh, it was embarrassing for him as a businessman that he kept being associated with this. So he sued. He, he took a case against Google, uh, and he won. He had he won the right to have the data de-indexed, removed from Google's search index, not necessarily from a Facebook page, but, but from the search index itself, so that it wouldn't appear every time someone looked for his name. Now, of course, every time someone searches for his name, they find out all about this case he took. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's what we call the. the it's the Streisand effect writ large. So it's always, it's always a matter of being very careful. Again, we, we know there's a, a, a property developer who recently was engaging in, in using the right to be forgotten to have stories about them removed from uh, searches in various online newspapers. And as a result, the newspapers responded by writing stories about the fact that they'd received these requests. So the key balance here in that context is always whether there is a, a public interest an overriding legitimate ground for having the data uh, will always be a factor that has to be considered on a case-by-case basis. So if you've done your porridge and if you've you, you fessed up to it, and again, I remember when Nick Leeson was the uh, treasurer of Galway United Football Club, he was asked uh, what made him think he was com- com- he was qualified, given he was involved with the collapse of Bearings Bank, and his answer was that at least he knew where the decimal points needed to go yes. uh, in the accounts. <laughs> uh, it, it's about owning your past rather than hiding for it in some cases. So yeah. hopefully... Uh, 
you, this, that's never a scenario you have to deal with personally, Sean. Right. Okay. So, um, but, so, but just for clarity, in case anybody's just tuned in and heard the start of that discussion, I have never, ever played golf. So I just wanted to clear that up. When, uh, <laughs> when you go on a website and it asks you about cookies, what are the cookies recording about you? Okay. Cookies can be recording any number of things about you. And the cookie banner uh, that pops up uh, is, is is driven not from GDPR, but from another piece of legislation that we've had for years. It's, it's since since 2011, uh, the e-privacy directives. And what this allows you to do is to have uh, to exercise control over what data is being read to, written to or read from a device. So that's what the cookie is doing. It's re- capturing data about you. It's writing something to a device to say, ah, we know who you are. And it's reading data from a device to go, we know who this person is. And it's building that pattern of who you are. And it can be used for analytics. Some cookies, are, a lot of cookies are used to actually make websites work. So there are cookies mm. that are necessary. So cookies that are necessary, we don't need consent for. But everything else... Need cons- you need consent for. And that's what the, the, the pop-up is about. Now, the pop-up came about because the advertising industry lobbied for it. So when the advertising industry says this is those pop-ups are a pain in the neck and no one likes them, that's exactly what they wanted. They lobbied for that as a mechanism way back in 2011. Uh, there were other tools and other ways of exerting control uh, over how your data is used with cookies. Uh, but the advertising industry, for some reason, wanted people to have something burdensome that people would just click, oh, okay, and move on. <laughs> I don't possibly know why. Um, but there are now a lot of tools out there. One of the, one of the interesting things was, was that there was a, a move towards using ad blockers online. And mm. there was people were down, downloading plugins to block the use of ads and block the use of cookies. And there are now a number of web browsers you can use, such as Brave which are privacy-protecting browsers, and Apple is basically shutting down that sort of tracking in the Apple Safari browser on your iPhone or on your your, your Apple Mac, um, partly because Apple want to control their own advertising data ecosystem, but also because they want to control how that data is shared with other parties around the, the, the internet. Yeah. So if, like, if you if you go into a website you've never been on before, and it and the, you don't have to press the accept cookies button because it's not going to make you any difference. Absolutely, you absolutely don't have to press the accept cookies button. The website should work without you accepting cookies, and in fact, they should also have a big button that says reject all unnecessary cookies or something similar to it to that effect. So you can say I don't want any cookies to be written to to be written at all. I I I am I'm, I'm, I'm a digital celiac. I don't like cookies. Uh don't give me any of your gluten-based baked goods in digital form. Um and that allows you then to say if if the site is constructed correctly and if it's configured correctly, there shouldn't be any cookies written, there shouldn't be any tracking. But again, the advertising industry the advertising, uh, digital advertising industry has always tried to find ways around those restrictions uh, and interpreting rules in their favor rather than the fa- in favor of the individual. So it's always worth being vigilant about what exactly you're clicking on with the, with those uh, options. Right. Now, uh, as a younger person, if you made, you know, uh, uh, did a porn shoot and, and uploaded it to MySpace, uh, it, it, is there anything you can do about that now? Ooh, is there anything you could do? Well, for a start, if you were uh, under the age of consent... Um, <laughs> I'm saying younger or not. <laughs> we're living out of data protection land into child trafficking, tra- tra- child trafficking and pornography offences uh, territory, so you won't dwell too long with that. Yeah. For all the kids listening, uh, don't do those things because you might actually wind up committing a criminal offence. Yes. Um, in terms of MySpace, because MySpace is... 
kind of gone away. And MySpace is actually really interesting because when MySpace shut down, all the data was supposed to have been deleted. But when MySpace was brought back from the dead by its founder for a dollar uh, a couple of years ago, uh, apparently the data miraculously came back from the dead ah. as well. So it, it, it's it's an interesting question. Um, if the data is still there and is still out there and the, the platform is still working and there is still a company there behind it, you can contact them and ask them to have the data taken down. You can use your right to be forgotten, your right of erasure request to ask for that because the data is no longer necessary for the purpose or you're objecting to its processing. So you can have the data taken down in that regard. Um, or you, there are other approaches you can take. The, the real problem there, Sean, is that that old video might have been copied many, many times. Yes. It might be pop, popping up in other areas and to an extent we're playing whack-a-mole with our digital profile in that context. And that's where it's it's back to the old embarrassing tattoo you got in university. It's there you might have to just accept that it's there and there isn't much you can do about it mm. uh, if the platform has gone away. If the platform is still there, you can find out who they are, contact them and ask them to take the video down. Yeah, and, and I assume though, like Bebo, which is gone, 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 uh, or do we know is it gone, gone? Does anything really die on the internet, Sean? Yeah. That's the problem. Um, it, Bebo, I probably, you can't log into it anymore as far as I'm aware. Um, and I'm I'm showing my age. I, I even remember what Bebo is. Um, uh, I was telling people not to lot, not, not to put stuff up on Bebo uh, way back in the day. Uh, <laughs> that's how old I am. Um, but the the key thing is, if, if if the platform is there again, the older the platform is, the harder it will be to exercise any rights in relation to old content. The only thing you can really hope for is that because links rot, the digital data rots away very very quickly it might be harder for people to access that information or find that information and eventually the servers will die and the the the, the hosting provider will go oh we're not being paid for this and they'll turn it off um that's the possible that, that's the happy path of of, of the collapse of, of the of the data in that regard but if the entity is there you find out who they are find out who's administering them but it can take time it can be it could be expensive particularly for those older platforms it could take you a lot of time and effort, energy uh, so the question is, how relevant, how important, how difficult a thing is it for you? And is it worth uh, engaging professional services? Uh, a good solicitor will probably be able to help in that regard, finding out who the right person to write to in the right threatening tone of voice to get the right result for you. Well, when it comes, though, I suppose, looking, uh, it's a thing that's happening now, but deep fakes uh, um, of various sorts, is that like, for your line of work, is that a total nightmare? Because are you back to the whack-a-mole thing, trying to get it all taken down if if, if someone is subject you, to one? You're into the whack-a-mole world, but also deepfakes. It's important to remember that they, that is still personal data relation to you. If it looks like you, if people think it could be you, it's still your personal data. Hmm. So in that context, the rights you have um, argue for, or in relation to your personal data are still rights you would have in relation to that deepfake data. Um, personally, it is something that scares the bejeepers out of me from a, as a technology and yeah. in terms of the potential harms that can happen from from that development. And it's a traditional, it, it's, a, it's a common refrain I have that all these technologies tend to be developed by uh, white upper middle, middle class boys in certain universities in certain uh, countries. And they don't necessarily think about how these technologies might be misused or abused. And that's something we need to be aware of as a society now when we start talking about AI and these tools like ChatGPT is wonderful in certain circumstances. 
what we need to think about what the harms are with those technologies and how we actually police that uh, and yeah. manage that. But if, if Facebook has a deep fake video of, of, of me bouncing around, inevitably, now that I've said it, someone's going to do it, <laughs> I would simply exercise my right of erasure to have that taken down on the basis that it's... Uh, uh, it, it's not processing that uh, it's processing that I object to, and there's no override, overriding legitimate ground to have it. Um, that would be that would be a route I would I would consider in that regard. Yeah, how long would that take though? Um, well, that would be the normal process of it would be the same process of if it was a, a general video of me that I absolutely knew and it was me uh, up on the internet. Uh, it would be the same process. It would take the same length of time. Uh, organizations are required to respond to your requests as soon as without undue delay within uh, one calendar month is okay. the, the time scale on that for your rights under GDPR. Yeah. Dara, uh, fascinating speaking with you today. Thanks very much for doing so. That was Dara Bryan there, Managing Director of Castlebridge, the data consultancy company. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.